0: Good afternoon. Welcome to here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing and diving into what we've seen in the markets and and the happenings of today's trade action, one of I think Sam, one of the key stories I keep seeing pop up, and then I hear discussion about it as well, is late pollination. I mean, here they're saying we're going to be about ten days late. You guys to the east, much much later. So, is this going to cause any concern? This late pollination talk for the corn in the market trade?
1: Well, sure, Will. I mean, you know, one factor to consider there is that, you know, you got a decent chunk of corn that was planted before Easter, and then a decent chunk that was planted, you know, first week of June, and then you got some scattered in in between. So, if there's a bright spot there, if we're if we to hit, uh, you know, an area, a time of tough weather, whether it's extreme temperatures or something during pollination or whatever you want to throw out there, it may not impact the, the entire crop as a whole across the entire U.S. You know, you mentioned that you guys are uh, usually two weeks behind us, and and you're two to four weeks probably behind out there, and and we're which puts us, you know, probably a month behind in general and stuff. So. You know, it's just going to be one of these things where we've got to cross that ridge when we get there. Uh, Quite honestly, over the last couple of years, you know, we've seen a little bit of concern about uh, hot temperatures during pollination. It hasn't really amounted to much damage. I I think the biggest thing here now is just, you know, when when we see big crops, we have to have consistency. And the one thing consistent this year is, is that there's a lot of holes uh And no matter how much the crop improves and how how good or bad the weather is, you can't go back and fill in those holes. And on top of that, and maybe to the nth degree, it would just be the latency from east to west, north to south, where you know Indian summer probably produces a pretty decent crop here with the acres that we've gotten in the ground. But if you get uh, you know normal early freeze, it, depending on where it is, how how abrupt it is, or how far south it goes, it could be you know catastrophic. And I think we're going to be talking about that uh, all the while along. And unless we start to see concern in between now and then, where we just dry up and, and then you know can't buy a rain, but all the forecasts right now are suggesting that late, July could actually kind of go back into this uh, cool, cooler than normal and wetter than normal period. In which case, you're not going to hurt the crop. It's just going to be this continued question about when it's going to mature.
0: Well, at least we got a little blast, at least in our neck of the woods, of some heat to really help that corn mature along.
1: Yeah, and that, and that it was much needed around here too. I mean, we've just been dealing with. Um, you know, cool and cloudy temperatures. So it's not only the heat, but the sunshine. And and of course, we get the heat, and then you get a couple two three days of that, and you're wanting to rain again all of a sudden. You know, we were 92 to 96 degrees here uh, last few days. A little bit cooler today, but nonetheless, when you got the very uh, you know, immature crops out there, you don't want to see those things, you know, baked at 94, 95 degrees for more than a week anyways, especially if you don't have any rain. So it's going to be good for the, the roots to kind of get down there. Uh, rain has been frequent enough in most areas to keep the soil kind of mellow, um, let those roots root down. So if we are to hear, hit a, a hotter dry period down the road here after the rows close, um, you know, we'll be well prepared for that. But again, the, the latency is just so consistent, so widespread. Um, that's probably the biggest risk, you know, in terms of losing a bunch of bushels. That's probably, that's got to be the biggest risk at this point moving forward, whether we get that or not uh, is left to be seen.
0: Usually, when we hit the month of July, it's kind of the doldrums of the markets. So there's not a lot of exciting things happening, not a lot of market movers, but it seems like this weather may take care of that this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we know the start that we got, um, and at this point, Mother Nature can smooth out or amplify some of those problems. If we were to turn hot and dry, um, you know, maybe the worst-case scenario for for crops in some of these areas, but for the time being, it's really what we need. Uh, and, and the catch, and we talked about this a little bit before we started here, Susan, is just that you know, the crop is so late, you want to see enough heat to push this thing along to make sure we get it to maturity before we see a freeze, uh, but if you, in doing so, you're going to limit the potential, you're going to speed up the maturation process and therefore not be able to pack as many bushels in i've heard some pretty scary stories of some corn that was planted in mid-june um even in the third week of june here the last couple of years and just in what it did in terms of yield um but it's really going to kind of be a new paradigm in terms of testing the genetics and what a, a plant is, is capable of in a year like this
0: i'd definitely be nervous if i was a um somebody working for some of these seed companies wondering and waiting <laughs> to see what their crops are going to do
1: yeah, especially in the areas where you know the bulk of it was done so late, uh, whether it's just an individual farm or county or whatever you're you're talking about, um, there's just uh, large chunks out here that were done so late. Conditions at the time were you know incredibly questionable, and unfortunately, actually with. Uh, continued rainfall it's probably helped that situation just because it's kept that uh, that soil like i said nice and mellow and moist and uh is giving the crop a chance
0: you know we're not used to this here in nebraska iowa being called kind of the breadbasket slash garden growing areas when it comes to both corn and beans usually we're looking out to ohio illinois indiana for those beautiful crops
1: uh, yeah, and that's something to really take notice of too. You know, if you look at the state by state breakdowns and at least what we know today in terms of acreage, you know, that's a whole other topic we'll put to the side. I guess I'm probably one that believes that the acreage number USDA put out is probably closer to being right. Uh, but my premise on that is the prevent plant acres could still be in there. But if we push our intentions at 97 or 98 million on the process, uh, you could still have six or seven million acres of prevent plant corn and end up at 90 to 92 million acres planted, in which case the severe drops in acres that we're looking for are going to end up showing up in beans That the USDA signaled that last week. But if you look at some of these areas where we have increased corn seedings year to year significantly, it's areas like, uh, you know, Arkansas. Uh, you get south of here, the mid-south, Arkansas, Tennessee, all the way down into Mississippi, these areas that maybe weren't quite as wet as we were and aren't traditionally in the Corn Belt. Now, these varieties may be 80 or 90-day varieties. Um, and, and maybe not have the initial potentials with some of the, you know, 105 to 115 day corn, uh, that gets planted up in, in this area has, but it still got planted and it's still a lot more than what's, what's normally seen. Uh, all these areas where they've typically planted beans when beans were 10, 12, 13 dollars a bushel are now getting spotted in with corn. Um you're seeing areas, uh, where they usually plant cotton where they planted corn. The areas in Missouri where maybe they planted beans initially, or, but, uh, but when they replanted it was corn. So, uh, I just think we, we can't be too naive to think that it wasn't something that made sense to take place. doesn't mean that the production number at the end of the year uh, can be any different because the more acres you have of that potentially the smaller the yield could be and and really amplify that factor. And we'll get our first taste of that here on the 11th from the USDA and see what kind of a move they'll make here uh, in corn and beans.
0: We'll be back. We've got a lot more coming up here on the Fontenelle final bell. Look at the livestock happenings. There's a little bit of grain yet to touch on. As we know, harvest is moving northward uh, out of Oklahoma into Kansas with some frustrations for those wheat growers as well. A lot is coming up. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the World Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us here in part two. I just wanted real quick, because we did talk a little bit about these report numbers, but it's kind of nice to say on a Tuesday we have moved past Friday's report and we're on to bigger and better things in this market.
1: Yeah, you can say that i don't know if everyone would be uh you know real truthful in those comments but it is what it is i think we're you know at the very least we're getting through the digestion of it and understanding you know why the number looks the way it does um i, I think the next you know hurdle to, to jump here is is do we see a reversion from that or do we see those numbers generally hold um and then make you know further adjustments from here via yield and and, and other avenues i guess the usc has got a lot of strings they can pull on um And obviously, we know we're going to get a revision on these acres, too, here as you go into August. And on the August 12th report, we should see that shown and see what that looks like. But for the time being, I think you're going to continue to kind of keep an eye on some of these condition ratings, see what that looks like. Uh, Yesterday, came out a little bit lower than what the trade anticipated, and you wonder if that's a signal that uh, we do have some adjustments in the yield coming. Um, You know, when you turn our focus over to the wheat market, I think there the focus is just going to be harvest, and where they've been able to do it, it sounds like things have been pretty good. Um, Where they haven't, it's been frustrating. You know, for the world wheat prices in general, I don't know if our crop size really matters a whole lot uh, outside of the domestic situation in terms of basis, though. Uh, You know, we've got to keep an eye on the Black Sea region, the Australia. Uh, australian crop and also open the canadian prairies see what that's going to garner because with this potential loss uh in supplies for corn uh, you get world grains high enough and you're going to start to you know be thinking about acreage for 2020
0: very much to think about as we jump over to the livestock side it's been a quieter cattle market on the live cattle now you brought up a conversation during the commercial break about how feeders really reacting to the corn and then will the cash be influenced or be the influencer in all of this
1: yeah we've seen that interest reaction um not atypical obviously, especially when we see the move like we did um we saw the feeders get you know just pummeled uh when the corn market started to take off and, and part of that maybe was maybe a little bit too much euphoria um you know when hogs took off and then since then we haven't seen a demand there you wonder if this hog market can now kind of consolidate and maybe start to grind back higher again eventually but I think for all these uh, livestock markets that the cash has to lead the way uh, feeder cattle uh, you know cash indexes finally start to recover a little bit more but now we're holding a premium there so if we start to see this uh, core market chop around thoughts that we can improve the the cattle market in general uh, these back months may have a little bit better chance of rallying as opposed to this front month August contract for the feeders I just don't know how quickly we can get off um, off the hind there and, and really start to run. So, uh, but it is 4th of July weekend. You're going to see a little bit more grilling activity. Um, and hopefully from a technical standpoint, if not for nothing, we can improve that and maybe start to at least consolidate and try to base these markets for a bigger move, uh, down the road.
0: Well, you talk about uh, coming into the holiday, obviously on Thursday, are we going to see cash take place tomorrow or are we going to wait till Friday after the holiday? Cause markets are open.
1: Yeah, I'm going to sit and guess it's probably going to be Friday. Um, I, I think any anything that's uh, been needed here thus far has probably already been realized anyways. Um and, and I think this feed cost thing has just been such a big deal too for this livestock market with the corn market doing what it's doing and everyone trying to figure out what the rations are going to look like. Are they going to change? Are they not going to change? Does this break back in price, you know, change anything for guys in terms of wanting to have more corn in the rations? Um, we, we've got, you know, corn that can be used as a cover crop. There's just a lot of moving parts to this whole thing and, you know, a lot of it started with the corn market, but there's other things uh, at bay too. And, and again, the hog thing I think is just a big deal here when you think about worldwide protein. Um, when are we going to finally see ASF maybe be mitigated or curtailed, uh, so that we can start looking forward to the demand and what's going to be necessary to rebuild the herd size?
0: And definitely, we're going to see guys continue to focus on, like you mentioned, that that feed and what they're going to need come fall. I think a little bit more than we have in years past.
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially when when you've seen the you know the, the peaks and valleys here of the livestock market as well. Um, you know, with their period of time there, where things just look look phenomenal and hey maybe this is a a turning point here for a while uh only to be you know turn around and get walloped again so uh hopefully we can see the optimism stick around but like i said even if you can just build a base it kind of gives puts everything back in a perspective where uh, people can get their footing again at least and have a plan and you know let allow that market to kind of uh rejuvenate itself
0: sam let's look at the struggle bus called the hog market what are your thoughts
1: Uh, you know, there again, cash needs to lead the way. We saw uh, all the concern about ASF, but here you got the Lean Hog Index 76. Uh, you got July going off the board here pr- pretty soon, and it had a decent day today up a buck 15. I think you're just trying to converge that. Um you know, I think we could see the 74 to to 75 levels start to hold but until we see the expectation of where all this you know demand was coming from you know keep in mind the most recent hog and pig report 180 pound hogs were what 8% higher than last year so the short term supply is just going to continue to keep a, a lid on cash until we finally see the exports really pick up and that just doesn't happen yet
0: what do we need to focus on for the rest of this week we do have kind of a mix up in the middle of the week with the holiday both grain or livestock when we're trying to market
1: well, I would say, you know, you're going to have a little bit of activity here before 10, 10.30 tomorrow. Volume is going to start to wane again. The board closes at 12, 12.05 here tomorrow, uh, as you mentioned, the holidays. So you're going to start to see that volume get curtailed. Um, after the break that we've seen and the big move that we've seen, I think the biggest thing is just digesting this thing over the, over the last couple sessions is, it, you think all the people that were caught along, you know, the corn market, not looking for an acreage number that large, pretty much everyone. Um, you know, and I was looking for a bigger number than most.
0: What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam?
1: 800 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com.
0: That's the Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers here on the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.